Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Thursday Morning Envy Pro Call. Today is October 26th, and I'd like to welcome those of you that are here live, as well as those of you listening to this via recording, which, of course, you can do by subscribing to Motor Vitality on whatever podcast application you happen to use or by visiting MotorVitality.com, where you can listen to years and years and years' worth of archives. Um, love having you guys on live, though. I, I know I mention that every week, but I... I really appreciate you guys coming on because uh, I like the discussions, so it's, it's great. Um, when I start the call off, uh, actually I have a couple things. just want to remind everybody, we do have our vendor class coming up in November. Um, that's a day and a half course for, and that's designed for people that are in the office or, um, or uh, that, that might be in the field selling equipment or products that have never really had the opportunity to put their hands on them or see it used in a real situation. Um, so that's at our installer training facility. It's a day and a half. If you'd like more information, please visit motivitality.com or give us a call and we can, uh, or shoot us an email and love to give you some information on that. We are also sold out um, until this, uh, January um, for the installer training. So. Um, book your class soon if you have any interest in that, and uh, we'd love to have you in in January for uh, starting start 2024 off with WQA certified installer and uh, um, and installation training. So um, love to have you there for that. So um, with that, I am going to Jen. Do you have any announcements? Anything we need to? I always forget about the announcement part when we get started. Anything? Okay. Um, so I think Jen had to mute herself. She's transferring vehicles. So, <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, going to start the call off the way I do pretty much sorry, every week. I was which, muted, Kelly. Yep. I was muted, yep, Kelly. I figured I'm so you sorry. were. Yep. No, it's okay. Um, sorry. So, as far as training um, or as far as announcements, I don't think we really have any announcements um, other than uh, with sales training. Um, we do have, uh, I think I have some openings coming up closer to anybody's interested in. Um, November or December, I think you said. You cut out a little bit there. I, I'm sorry, I'm at November. Yeah, so November. Yep. Um, so we, yeah, I have some openings coming up, and if anybody's interested, give me a shout. Yep. All right, so we'll start the call off the way I do pretty much every week here, which is by asking, is there anything anybody learned this last week that you wish you had known before? Anything that happened that's worthy of sharing with other professionals across the country or anything we can help you with? Any questions anybody might have? I, Kelly, if nobody else does, I've, I've yep, got just go a quick and um, – just a, a little reminder, um, I've been car shopping, and anybody that's been car shopping, unless you really know what you want, is you know that I'd rather get a root canal, and um, <laughs> it had been horrible. Um, but I had a certain car in mind that I was really, really interested in, and so I went to go test drive the car and there were two different ones that they had one had turbo one didn't and the first one that I drove had turbo but it was literally a death trap like and this was a high-end um, dealer it, so it surprised me and but it just like it didn't go anywhere it rattled it shook when I pulled out of the driveway so I turned right around came back and I told the 
sales lady, I said, oh, no, oh, that's a big oh, no. And I said, it's a death trap. It rattles, it shakes, it doesn't go anywhere. And and she says, really? That's really surprising to me because, and she went on and on about how they're, they're certified. They do so many steps in their certification. I'm like, well, they didn't drive it, you know. And she argued with me on the fact that this car should not drive bad because of the fact that they're certified. And at that point, she asked me, do you want to, do you want to drive the other one? And I was so hesitant to even say yes. And I did drive it, but my final decision was, even if it was the best car in the world, I don't think I would buy from her because she was arguing with me. So just a reminder that, you know, using empathy instead of arguing with somebody, is it goes a long way. Yeah, I think we could – we're probably due to do a um, another call, an entire call just on the differences between um, the type of – because my, my experience has been much the same, and I bet some of you on this call have had similar experiences. I mean, when I was buying new vehicles, it's why I keep my cars till I run them in the ground. I get over, well over $200,000 in my, my Jeep Grand Cherokee. It still runs great, but I, I know that at, at some point I'm going to have to buy another vehicle, and I'm dreading it because the experience of of shopping for vehicles was such a, you know, it's it's hard. It's I hate to say it, but it was stereotypical of of what you know what you have. Everybody says, "Oh, that guy is just like a car salesman," and and it's. <laughs> my daughter was with me, and she was like, "Dad, are they always that way?" And he, my experience was a lot of them. Now, not everybody, but I ended up buying my car, and it was not because of the salesperson. It was because of the you know when I bought it, it was because it was the only dealership that had the vehicle, and I actually knew way more about this vehicle than they did, you know, and because I'd done my research and and looked at it, and I I just hated the fact that I had to give a commission to somebody that had basically made the sale because they happened to work at the place that, that I wanted to buy the car from, you know, and it was, it was frustrating. And so there's a big difference between somebody who sits and waits for somebody to walk through the door and, you know, and, and, and has a need versus somebody who, who actually uh, goes out and generates business and builds relationships and earns the referrals and stuff like that. It's a completely different mentality. And so, yes, Jen, I think um, I feel for you in going through that process. But uh, um, anybody else have anything? So I do want to give just one kudos. There's somebody on this call here listening in today that I, I just think is it, I, inspiring. And I just want to point out, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but, but we have in the past, so we launched our installer training back in January. And it surprised me who all has wanted to sign up for this. So it's it's been really interesting just the I mean I thought it was going to be all installers. And we have certainly had our fair share of both experienced and inexperienced installers come through our training. Um it has surprised me the number of owners or managers that have come through simply because they wanted to understand what their what their teams did you know the owners that had run dealerships for years in some cases that that really didn't understand exactly what their installers were doing in the field and they wanted to get their hands on it and do it themselves so we've had a fair number of that um, but everybody so far uh, prior to the current class that we have had every single person that we've come through has worked 
in a dealership, has worked in the industry, and has um, you know either been sent by their company or they have been the company that has has come through. The exception to that is a young man that we have coming through our course this time, and I just I just wanted to give a shout out to Devin Gibbons who um, who has who uh, came in. Uh, paid his own money out of his own pocket. When I say kid, he's 21 years old and has decided that he wanted to come into this industry and delve in and, and it, it just has embraced it full on and paid the fee out of, uh, out of his pocket to come in without a job, without working with a, I mean, he has a job, he does landscaping prior, but he wants to kind of delve into an industry. Um, and he spent the money and he's coming through the course and standing toe to toe with, the installers that are the, the other group that's coming through right now um, as installers. I mean, he had never had any experience in this industry whatsoever, and he's finishing up the week and just doing an incredible job. I thought that was somewhat inspiring. Um, I wanted to mention it on the call because I, I, I think sometimes it's helpful to, to be reminded about the way our industry can be viewed from an outside perspective. This is really, sometimes we go to work day to day, we get, you know, the minutia that comes in. I mean, it's, it's hard sometimes to say, why are we doing this? Why are we getting up and going and doing this? And, and then you see the excitement. You see how this industry can inspire somebody coming in. I mean, for me, you know, we've talked a lot about the silver tsunami on this call before where the, everybody in this industry is old and, and retiring or dying. And so I'm super excited to be part of bringing younger people back, you know, back into the industry because they are the future. I mean, this, it's, so, it's so amazing. This industry is getting more and more globally important. And yet we, you know, we're, we need to be encouraging young people to come into this industry and learn and, and to grow. So um, it, I was inspired by, by Devin coming in and wanting to take this course. It reminded me of the importance of the industry and, and gave me a little get up and go. Um, and uh, and I, I just wanted to mention that because maybe it would have the same impact on, on you guys as well. So um, thank you, Devin. So, I know he's he's on he's muted, so um, so uh, hopefully he appreciates that. So, um, anybody else have anything before we jump into our topic here? All right. So our topic today. I was driving down the road listening to '80s on '80s on eight on Sirius XM because yes, '80s and eight is cool. I don't care what any of you say. And I was reminded that, man, I remember when I had my whole shelf full of albums, and yes, I had my Prince Purple Rain right next to my Air Supply and my Culture Club and my, you know, all my albums, my The Cure, you know, all those badass 80s groups, right, that we had out there. So that was, that's what I had. And and I'm proud of it. I can say that. I used to, you know, I don't have to hide them under my couch cushions anymore. They, uh, you know, pretend I don't like Prince Purple Rain. Anyway, I'm listening to it, and it, it got me thinking a little bit because my brain just goes in all kinds of different directions, and who knows where it's going to end up. But it, it just reminded me of when Prince a few years ago passed away unexpectedly. Everybody was sort of shocked, right? It was like, wow, he, this guy 
you know, he's gone, like way prematurely. And the thing that really struck me was he, nobody expected him to, to go, to die. Um, certainly, uh, you know, he didn't or his family didn't. And, and the thing that came out about that was that he had no succession. He had, he had, no, he had no will. He had no estate planning. He didn't have any of that stuff. And it got me to thinking about this industry and how there are so many dealerships, owners and managers like that, that, you know, that do not have a direct plan. You know, one of the things that Jen and I do when we go into a company and we do a, an assessment before we start hiring and training or, or helping them grow or, you know, giving them a plan, helping them work on their business plan um, when we go in is we, we look at the single points of failure, right? What are the areas where if, if this person got hit by a truck, who would step in? And I mean, I, I know this sounds horrible and really, you know, horrible to say, but who would step in and, and take over that company? And, you know, is there somebody there that is so critical that, to that business that, that it, would, it would fail if they weren't there, if they were no longer there? You know, is there – so it's not only a succession plan – you know, hopefully maybe there was something where you just, you know, the person just simply wasn't able or they, they packed up and they, they decided I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to move to Tahiti, you know, or whatever, you know, but whatever it is, maybe it's something like that. Maybe they win the lottery and they're just done, you know, who's going to step in and keep that company going. And so certainly that's an issue with owners and managers um, in our company, right? I mean, it's a scary feeling. I know for me right now, I look at that and, and I, I see, you know, I see, um, you know, I, I think, Jen, both you and I would probably be in that position with Motor Vitality. I mean, it would certainly completely change the face of our company if either one of us were not there. So, you know, that, that's your single point of failure, you know. And, and so, um, you know, and, and especially since we started growing, you know, we have had our growth and we're expanding. And as we've taken on new ventures, it, it becomes – even more critical. So it's a scary feeling to be in that situation as an owner. But I wanted to, and that's the more obvious one, right? So we run into that all the time. I, I know um, Brett Tangley always, when he's talking about this, he always says, you know, as a, as a dealer, you're always one bad sandwich away from being on a truck. And I know Mike McGowan has often talked about this. Um, you know, you have your, your route guy calls in sick, and you don't have anybody to do those routes. I know, Paul, you understand because you had that for years, right? One bad sandwich away from having to be out there. And, and you know, Paul, Paul's on the call and ran, a, ran a, um, uh, an exchange tank program. And if he hired somebody, go ahead, Paul. Yeah, go ahead. No, you, you, I finally gave up, Kelly. I just said, okay, I'll yeah. do it myself because it was, uh, like you're saying, you just never knew. You know, if yeah. something happened, you're back out in the field. And it was easy to just psych yourself to just do it. Yeah. Instead yeah. Of, you're wondering how what's going to happen, but but then you're one one bad sandwich away from being in big trouble. Yeah. So I am. Yeah. Right. In that mode. Well, if you're in that situation, if you're the one who gives up and says, "Screw it, I'm going to do it myself," then if you're not able to do it, it doesn't get done. You know, and that's, you know, I I'm in that situation right now with the installer training. You know, and it's yeah. it's a tough feeling to to have. Um, so I'm not saying that it doesn't happen in that in some level you know at some level when you're growing or expanding the company that it's it certainly is is going to happen i think that's part of business 
unless you have the you know just the capital and the resources to put into it and make sure that you can just hire a team right off the get go. But I wanted to focus more today, not necessarily from the owner or management standpoint, but I wanted to talk about it going down a step, down to the, you know, to, to a sales person's, um, you know, to a sales professional's position, or, uh, or even a service or an installer technician. You know, um, what are you, what's, what plan do you have? for taking care of your customers? Do you think it would matter, right? So there's this balance, right? Because from an owner manager management perspective, hopefully you're in a situation where, where you're not, so, I mean, it's, it's a great situation from a leadership position to be in that, that you know if somebody wasn't there or they couldn't come to work or they called in sick that you have somebody that can step in and take over, somebody that you can call in or, or you can move, move an installer to, you know, or arrange the day or do something like that. But if you are an installer or a service technician or a salesperson and something happens to you, you know, where you're out of commission for a little while, who's going to take care of your customers? How are you preparing to not lose the momentum that you've built up? Now, I think that this is a big difference. If you're a house, somebody who runs house leads and you're only taking those leads, eh, I bet you there's not a lot of concern, right? Because, I mean, you know, there are other salespeople and anybody can run a house lead. But what if you've developed those relationships? You've made promises to your customers and you make those promises to your customers because you're, you're, you're earning those referrals because you're asking for those referrals because you're making sure that that um, that they understand that you're not just that person that's reading the bullet points at the car dealership, like Jen was talking about. That you are actually the person that that's going out there and, and really generating those relationships. What happens if you're not there anymore? What happens to those customers? Do they become orphans, like so many customers in in not only this industry but every industry? you know, that so many of them become orphans because the salesperson is just gone, right? They, they came out there, they sold them something. And now they're, you know, there's, there's, they're not there anymore. They're not around. So what do you guys do? Do you have somebody that you, do you document it in your CRM? Do you have somebody on your team that, that you communicate with, that you regularly talk to that, so that you, you have somebody that can step in and take care of your customers? What do you guys do? Stacy here. Um, we don't do squat. <laughs> matter, matter of fact, we don't do squat. Matter of fact, so I've had three or four different territories over my 10 years. If one of my customers from eight year, years ago calls in with a question, they will send them to the territory manager for that area, not me. Okay. And, you know, we've tried convincing them that continuity is important they find out their person's still here eight years later, that says a lot about the company. When we changed software programs three years ago, none of the sales reps' names transferred over on the accounts. Mm -hmm. So, so is there something – so, so Stacey, I'm wondering, you know, because I, mm -hmm. I definitely understand that's certainly a challenge, right, that it's in there if uh -huh. you're calling in. But, but I always tried – because that happened – that happened to us when, when we, you know, when I was in sales, 
or actually when I first started in the company, we, you know, I worked for one company and it was purchased by another. And when they, mm-hmm. there wasn't really a CRM, they didn't really have anything. And suddenly phone yeah. calls were being routed down to, um, to the corporate office down in, in Akron, Ohio. Um, and people in Akron had never met me, much less knew the areas or the, you know, the, the zip codes or, or, you know, whose territory they, they were. So, that did happen, but I had sat out or, you know, had sought to make sure that my customers, I mean, I, 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 w- I didn't want to go eight years without talking to my customers. So I was proactive mm-hmm. and reached out to them. So even if they, I, I wanted them to call myself or to call me yeah. rather than, than the office. Now it doesn't always happen, right? You do lose that, but are you doing anything as a professional to stay in contact with those customers, even if you, you know, are you sending them follow-up, you know, thank yous or follow-ups or, or anything like that so, to make sure that the work that you've done in the past, the referrals that you get, come directly to you? So I have in the past, and I do basically up to the first year. I also, when I do my follow-up after install, they get a little sticker on their equipment with my direct yeah. cell phone with your, on it. Yeah. And they don't always call, right? They, and that is because sometimes, especially when you have a, you represent a brand name that people recognize and they may not remember your name specifically, right? So they, they're often going to call the office. Okay. Well, I think that's, that's fair. Do you, so do you think it would be beneficial to, to, um, you know, to jointly with, with the company or yourself to, you know, create those, those follow-up type programs to have it to where, yeah, hey, I got um, I got my appliance guy coming. You got to hop off, right? <laughs> we'll get to the okay. Who else? Who else? Who else has? Who else has? Uh, anybody else have a have a plan for for taking care of your customers or for following up? Anybody else uh, do anything like that? Well, let me add, let me add. I guess from my standpoint, I'm calling on customers all day long, and I. I, I run into a lot of guys that are 70, 75. Uh, a lot of them would like their sons or kids to take over the business. Kids aren't interested in it, and they really they don't have an exit strategy. Um, yeah. Let alone let alone a, a transition plan should something happen to them. I see it every day. Oh yeah, yes. That's it. so. From a business standpoint, was that was that uh, John? Yeah, that was me. Yeah, hey John. So yeah, I, I, Jen and I have run into that a ton all over the place. And in fact, the vast majority of our clients in the 15 years that we've done this business have been exactly who you're talking about. You know, they're second or third generation. Um, they're, you know, they took over uh, their dad's business, who had taken it over from grandpa's business, and now they have kids that aren't interested in coming into the industry, and they. Um, you know, they, and, and there, you can almost sometimes, and we've, Jen could attest to this, we, you see the, the kids or the in-laws hovering around knowing that it's going to, that, you know, dad's going to be gone at some point and they they just all, I don't know, sometimes you can just see like vultures swarming around the owner and, and the owners, because they're generally really super nice people and they want to take care of their families, you know, they're, they're, they don't want to. You know, it's a little scary to think who that company is going to, you know, change hands to at some point. So definitely we see that a lot. And I think it's really important if you have, you've built this thing up, you care about this business, you know, it's, 
um, it's, it's something that it's a, it's a hard conversation to have, but it, I think you're right, John, we've seen that with owners a ton. And, and that's what Jen and I will usually do is we go in and we say, okay, what is your plan? You know, um, you know, are you looking at making the company profitable enough to support you? Or are you looking to make the company um, valuable enough to sell, you know, in, you know, in five years? And that's, they're two different business plans that we look at, but it's definitely something to, to consider what's going to happen, you know, and to have that plan in place. You know, from an owner or management perspective, one of the things we always recommend is documenting, you know, if you've got somebody critical in that office, somebody that knows all that, and we see this all the time, you know, they'll be in the office, you'll have the office manager, and that's the person that knows the passwords, that knows the, you know, how to get into the computer, that knows exactly what, what configuration of buttons to press on the printer to get it to work when it starts making that buzzing noise. <laughs> there's, there's people in the companies like that that are, um, you know, they're just critical in ways that you can't even really quantify. My recommendation on that for, for owners and managers is to have, to have that person, and it's a pain to do because we're so busy and we're, we're having a lot of hats, but slowly, one job at a time, have that person put together a three-ring binder and document what do you do when you come in. I mean, every little detail. I, you have to, in order to turn the alarm off, you can't just hit the code. You've got to hit the code, and, and this button sticks on this corner, so make sure that you hit it down on the other corner. You know, you document every little Every little detail like that gets documented so that, God forbid, something happens to that person in the office. They're a, you know, somebody is able to come in and start, in it, and they're not going to replace that person, but at least you, you put a Band-Aid on it to stop the bleeding until you can get that person kind of up and going, you know. Because um, sometimes you just don't have enough money to, you know, the ability to train somebody to, to shadow them for a while, you know, sometimes you just don't, it's not in the, it's not in the cards. It's not, not in, you know, the resources for it, you know? So I, I understand that that's something that, that people should be doing right now. And I think if you extrapolate that same thing out to salespeople, I think documenting your customers, documenting a CRM or something that documents the conversations, the contacts that you have, if you, you know, really making sure that you are, um, that somebody could step in and know what conversations they are. How impressive would that be to have a customer, you know, somebody else stepped in and that you've documented what their grandkids' names were, what their dog, what, what their dog's name was, or, you know, to have that person come in who can step in and they're not going to be you they're, because they didn't build that relationship, but at least that customer is going to know that you cared enough about them to document that and share that information with, with the people that are stepping in to take over those, those customers. I, I will tell you, um, it was, you ran into that sometimes with, I mean, I ran into that when I was in sales where I would have a builder who was building a lot of houses in my sales territory. And I had a great relationship with that builder. And suddenly they bought property, you know, land in another, in somebody else's territory that was maybe an hour away from me. And we did have protected territories. So I would, you know, take whoever that salesperson was and introduce them to that builder and say, you know, this person lives closer, they're going to take, you know, they're going to be better apt to take care of your customers because they live in the area. They know the water better. However, if you, 
you know, here I, we go out and I introduce the, the salesperson to that builder. It's hard to give up that lead, right? Hard to give up that relationship. But if you're in this as a professional and you're really caring about your customers, sometimes it makes sense to do that, you know, to me. And those builders would really appreciate it. Now, I did always tell the builders, you know, if you're not getting the kind of service you, from this guy that you've come to expect, call me and I'll go out there and, you know, we did have rules in place where that would happen, you know, but it, but in general, um, honestly, I didn't want to drive an hour, hour and a half out of my territory to go, you know, for, for that call. So I, I was more valuable for me to stay within my territory than to, to be on the road long distance. But I also wanted to make sure that, that I was taking care of those builders and those relationships. And I documented everything. I mean, so when I made that introduction, I could then hand the history over to that new salesperson and, and they would have, they would know everything about it that I knew, you know, everything about that builder. All right, another minute here left. Any any final comments or thoughts on this? Males. Okay. Well, with that, thank you everybody for the for the input. Um, pull out. The, I hope this has inspired you to pull out your your '80s, uh, you know, '80s ballads. Little little air supply, little little purple rain going on. Come on, you guys know you want to. Kelly? This is what you're listening on your way to your job. Yeah, go ahead, Paul. Kelly, I'm afraid yes. it's 70s on 70s. <laughs> 70s on 7. Well, you got, you got some pretty good ballads on 70s on 70s, too. So uh, you can do it. Prince started in the 70s. It works, Paul. So anyway, you guys, thanks very much. <laughs> Be safe. Day. We will talk to you next week, if not before. Thanks, everybody. Okay, bye-bye.